0: Again, everybody and all of you may be joining on a line. Yes, it is me again. Eventually, we will get the PhD back up in the pulpit. I don't know what his plan is, but we just say yes. Amen. So Samson, today we are going to be talking about Samson. Title of the message is long hair, don't care. Don't try to make any correlations. I don't know. No hair, don't care, I guess. I don't know. I care. Any, can I get an amen for any other, other follically challenged people? And so, Samson is a story that we all know too well. A talented, attractive, influential person has a headline grabbing scandal that costs him his influence and ultimately, in Samson's case, his life. But if the only thing you know about the story of Samson is Delilah, then you only know the end of the story. And it's important. To know the results, but I believe that it's more important to know why it is that Samson ended up where he did. Often in our lives, the last thing that caused us to crash is not the reason that we sink, it's just what ended up being the last thing. Judges, like a history book that you would read in high school, uh, the life and the story of Samson is just one small blurb of this story, and Samson. He represents all of Israel and really he he represents us in a way. So Samson's life is not just for the men out on the, the men's retreats when we're talking about, you know, lust and pornography addiction and all these things that men love talking about and sharing with each other. It's also for the women. He is a representation of Israel. We all have desires that we want to fulfill that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are all Samson in this moment. The author, he sets up Samson's life in such a way that if you know the history of Israel, you would see the parallels right from the beginning. For example, both Samson and Israel were born into the world through a miraculous birth. We're going to be read about Samson's here in a little bit. But uh, Abraham and Sarah, God took something very weak in both Samson and Israel and made it incredibly strong. They were both given a special law code to separate them from the people and the nations around them. Samson, he was drawn to foreign women and Israel, foreign gods. The story of Samson is famous because it's the kind of story we like to read, the kind of movie we like to watch. He's an attractive, muscular sex symbol. He does heroic things. And also... One of the things we love is that the story, it ends in a crash and burn type of fashion. And we can say all we want that we don't like scandals or or, or this, that, and the third. But we cannot seem to look away from the disastrous mess when they come. That's why we like those reality TV shows or whatever movies that, that you're watching that's filled with drama, right? That's why I end up watching Tiger King because we have nothing to do in quarantine when this whole thing started, right? I couldn't couldn't step away. Wow, this is, this is, this is crazy. But today, I want to show you how you and I become the greatest enemy to what God wants to do through us. And I'm not just going to share that. Then I'm also going to share what God's answer is to that. Amen. So we're going to start out in the book of Judges, chapter 13, uh, the birth of Samson. Read with me if you would. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for forty years. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, who was named Mo- Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for the examples that you give us without excuse our calling, God. Would you not allow me to manipulate your word this morning, Father, not for my own uh, opinions or for my own gain or for what I understand, Lord, but allow me to communicate your word clearly and what it would be that you would have communicated to the people this morning. Jesus, allow me to decrease so that you would increase. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Do you see some type of correlation in my last three sermons here? Angels visiting, giving a message, the, the spirit of God coming on to the scene through a man to save his people. You know, it may just be some type of theme here in the Bible, but Samson, he was anointed by God to fulfill a mission. He was the deliverer of God's people in bondage. There was a consecration. On Samson's life that God had called Samson to be set apart. I'm going to continue in Judges 13, 24 and 25. And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. In Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtol. Judges sixteen four through 6. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him. And see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you one thousand one hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. Jumping ahead even more, Judges 16, 15 through 31. And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day, and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Have you ever been in that situation where something you're trying to avoid maybe in your life or something you're trying to stay away from? So maybe you don't see. And this thing, it just begins to pester you and you feel the pressure and the pressure and you begin to feel squeezed. At times I feel pressure. I feel pressure to perform a lot. Maybe you do too. I feel pressure to please a lot right a lot of parents have a lot of different things that they want and need for their child and i get it but i feel that i i know that some of you maybe you may feel pressure to be that parent to be that mom or that dad you may feel the pressure to be that professional in your workplace you always have to be ahead you always have to be on you always you You have to be that person, that pressure, no matter where it is in your life. I know that we have all felt that pressure, even when we try to get away from it. It's just coming at us and coming out as we're going to continue in 17. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb, that if my head is shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Notice it says that he told her all of his heart that he gave in. He had nothing left. Now, the Bible tells us to guard our hearts. And the reason we're to guard our hearts is so that something else doesn't come in and take over the space. So if I'm giving my heart to Delilah, if I have given in. Then I have nothing left to give to God. I don't know what your Delilah is today. I know I got a few. Delilah, my, you know, I got a bunch of them, but. What is it that you're trying to get away from? What is it that keeps trying to come at you and that you are giving into that you have given your heart to? When Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called the Lord to the Philistines, saying, come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep over her knees and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. Now, I don't know about you, but do we really think that Samson believed that this was going to happen? Do we really think that he would have done this if he knew that his strength would have been gone? Because if we back up, if you go and read Judges 13 through 16, great story. But Delilah does this to him. It says that she was pestering him day after day, time after time. And it gives multiple other stories where uh, Samson had told her what it was. But he was lying. He was just tricking her. And what would happen is they'd come get him. They'd bring him. They'd take him out. And he'd break free again. So I don't think... I think that Samson had been in sin for long enough that he had been engulfed in it for long enough that he would sin and sin and not get caught and not get caught and again and again and again. And still, because God has not removed me. Maybe I'm not doing anything wrong if he didn't do it the last three times. I don't think he's going to do it this time. Well, church, I need to be really, really truthful with you right now. Really, really honest in the fact that you cannot, please do not confuse God's patience with his approval. God has much grace and much patience for you. But just because he has not removed you from the situation does not mean that he approves of what it is that is going on. I have witnessed God work through individuals who are seeking selfish desires and pleasures. I mean seeking selfish desires and pleasures. I don't mean as wrapped up in. I don't mean had come in contact with. I don't mean dabbled in. I mean American church, mega church pastors. I can say this because I was at the church where my pastor was. Indeed, one of these people. And I would watch him. Seek selfish desires and pleasures, and I would also watch the power of God work through him when he would speak, when he would do, when he would act. I was perplexed. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Did he figure out how to beat sin? And and and, and we see this happen in, in our society, and maybe you hadn't seen it happen with Carl Lance or some of the other uh, people, the, the New Age people that I might follow, but I know maybe you've seen it with uh, Ravi Zachariah. And maybe for the other ones, maybe you're like me and you judge people and you're just like, ah, like that guy's probably gonna fall. He probably, you know, obviously the pastor is hanging out with the celebrities and the nightclubs and stuff. Yeah, I get it, but Ravi? How? He's old, he's not even attractive. He doesn't even wear suits that fit. What? Man. Christians, we cannot continue to hold our leaders on such a heavy pedestal. Every single leader is one decision away from the fall. Because what we begin to do is there is grace, but there is also pride. And what happens is pride, it begins to push out grace. And when grace is gone, what happens? After the pride, we fall because there's no cushion of grace to catch us. None of us are over this all of us this can happen to doesn't matter how many times you come to church how close you are to God this was a man born chosen before God said it that he was going to come and do this that he was going to have the power and look what happens how does this happen verse 20 and she said the Philistines are upon you Samson And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Let me tell you, church, this is what rocked me right here. He did not know that the Lord had left him. We can get so caught up in a lifestyle and God can be so gracious and he can be so patient with us. that The moment the rug is ripped out from underneath, I come to step on this pulpit and preach God's word without the power of God. It's a bad day for you, too. It's going to be horrible. (laughs) He did not know that the Lord had left him. That might be a good question for us this morning, church. Holy Spirit, have I been going through the motions? Holy Spirit, have I been acting in talent and not anointing? Holy Spirit, I've been showing up, but have I even invited you? You know, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, it would come upon Samuel. The Spirit of God would come upon Saul. It would come upon David and Elisha. And the Spirit of God would come upon Samson. And the Bible says that they were turned into other men. That when the Spirit of God fills you and comes upon you, that you are a different person. And I believe that. And in the Old Testament, God could actually remove that Spirit now we can get off theological here, and, and I know there's many different times. There's there, there's spirit in, there's spirit on, there's spirit present. But in this story, this is what happens. How would you like it if you were just left to yourself? If God just goes, just turn me over to me. Oh Lord, I need some help. But in the New Testament, we are given a gift. We are given the Holy Spirit as a gift. And I know that we can quench and we can grieve the spirit inside of us in the midst of working for God, in the midst of preaching to you right here and serving the community and feeding hundreds. I can be grieving and quenching the spirit of God inside of me. Think about it as a campfire. When you go and you you begin to build this campfire, you got your family once you build this campfire, you see light just immersing from the fire. You can see the light of the fire from campsites away. You can feel the heat radiating off of the fire, the energy. Now the fire here is the spirit. And this is a fire that's burning inside of you. And as long as you fuel this fire and as long as you feed this fire what it is, it's going to shine bright and it's going to spread Love, hope, energy to everybody. But in the morning when you wake up after that camping trip and after some times past, as you have not been feeding that fire, what happens? You take a little stick and you poke at some red embers, right? The fire, it's still there. There's still a little bit of smoke coming up. The Holy Spirit is still inside of you, but you no longer feel the warmth of the fire. The light is no longer radiating out. Into the community. We fuel whatever spirit it is that we are after. And maybe at times you're like me and you want the spirit of immediate gratification. That you are hoping that this will please you, this will satisfy you, that this will last long enough to numb me through this season, through this night, through this feeling. That God, you it would take away the pain. That this, this this pill that I take would allow me to continue on. And that is always easier and a lot of the times faster acting on our timeline than some prayer, some Bible reading, spending time in the presence of God. Because when we're into immediate gratification, we obviously want that feeling now. I feel sad now. Okay, I want to feel happy. I don't like that. But God wants to bring us through these. He wants to build build us. He wants to grow us. Verse 21. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. So Samson, he's now nothing. He can't see. He can't do. He is nothing without God walking around like an oxen, grinding in the prison, just a prisoner blinded. Tortured, made fun of, mocked, this mighty man of God, this man called of God, anointed by God. God told the children of Israel that I've heard your cry, that I'm putting Samson, the deliverer in the womb of a woman, that she is going to take a Nazarite vow. And as a community, we are going to build up this young man and we are going to strengthen this young man, the anointing of God on him like no one had ever felt. He slew thousands of Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. His power was like nobody else's. What happens? How do we get to this place? How did my son, how did my daughter end up like that? We raised him in the church. We raised him with scripture. We raised him in prayer. But church, we still have choices to make. We still have choices. The death of Samson, verse 23. Now the Lord of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country, who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson, that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hands, let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about three thousand men and women who looked on while Samson entertained. So here they're making a mockery out of Samson. Come and entertain us. He is now a circus act. And then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once. O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two pillars on which the house rested. And he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on one and his left on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those who had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all of his families came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Estol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. So we have this man, Samson, who was called by God to do great things with the power that God had given him. But what does he do? He squanders it. He plays games with it. You never know when it's going to be too late. All of us have squandered. All of us have played games. But not all of us have ended in a tragedy. But maybe the story is telling us we could just be one decision away. That he was hooking up with foreign women like his whole life. It didn't just happen to be Delilah. It just happened to be time. So what happened? How could it end this way? What do we learn from this? Samson's problem was not Samson. Samson's problem was Delilah. And if you, Christian, are not aware of this this morning, then you need to get a hold of this right here. That... When you begin to stare at the mirror in the morning, that you are staring at the biggest threat to what God wants to do and accomplish through you and in your life. That you are the biggest threat to what God wants to do and accomplish in your life. And know this, that the problem is not a weakness in the power that God has made available to his people. But the weakness is the character by which we sabotage what God is doing. Anytime something or someone goes down in a crash and burn fashion, it shares these common factors. And not all of them, right? These are just a few I picked for the sake of time. Number one, an unwillingness to slow down. Samson is impulsive. Impulsive. An unwillingness to slow down. Samson, he was driven by lust, by anger. He was driven by the stomach. Whatever Samson craves is what he wants. I have those seasons too. You cannot be desire-controlled and spirit-led at the same time. And when you begin to enter that season, when you begin to give into those temptations... That is what we know to be the fact, that you cannot be desire-controlled and spirit-led at the same time. Number two, a lack of integrity. He had a lack of integrity. He let too much compromise come in. He treated the commands of God casually. He didn't mind breaking them. What's this going to hurt that my hair gets cut? Is that really where my strength is? Lies, right? He got away with breaking the laws all the time. He touched dead things all the time. He's hanging out with the girls, with the boys, drinking beers, having a good time. God specifically asked him not to do these things. In what area of your life has compromise entered in? That's going to be between you and God. God's not going to share with me what he's telling you. God's not a gossiper. But I know that he tells me, hey, 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 this for you and for what you have do and for what I've called you to. You Can't really mess around with these people over here. You cannot really go to this place. You cannot take that. For what I've called you to. Delilah can be whatever it is that is pulling at you, whatever it is that is dragging you, whatever it is that is taking your strength and your focus away from where God has called you. If you're going to get anything today, if you've been sleeping or making breakfast up to this point, get this right here. What if the harm was not the action itself? What if the harm was not the sin? What if the harm was not the cutting of the hair? What if the harm itself is driving out the presence of God from your life? However, you, you choose to do that. But the problem isn't actually the sin. It's not the details of the action. But it's the driving out of the presence of God in your life. We naturally want to compromise. We naturally want to compromise things because we actually get away with it a lot. But what does that do to us? What does that do in my life when I compromise? It removes the blessing of God from my life. It may not destroy me. It may not punish me. But what it does is it removes the blessing of God from my life. Number three, a stubborn pride, a stubborn pride that refuses to listen to others. Now, you'll see this happen all the time with leaders around America, leaders in our churches in our corporate worlds. That they get to this place where no one can speak into their lives. Where they're not listening to anybody. They're not taking advice. They got here because they know how to do it. And they're going to keep following themselves. You get to this place where no one can speak into your lives. Proverbs 18.1 says this. That whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. Would the people closest to you in your life or in your circle of friends or in your family, would these people consider you teachable? How do you receive criticism? In your life, what areas are off limits? I did something last week after I preached. We had a meeting. And to a bunch of, you know, 13 to 17-year-olds, I begin to to be vulnerable and, and ask them what it is going to take for me to preach better you know tell me what you don't like about my preaching now I could very easily say hey this is off limits I've been doing this for 14 years I don't need somebody who's never preached a day in their life to tell me how to preach well that would be pride and arrogance and all of those things coming up but the truth of the matter is God did not call me to preach to the students God called me to serve the students And I cannot serve the students unless they're understanding what it is that I'm serving, correct? So it doesn't matter that I know the most about preaching. What matters is, am am I giving something to those that I'm serving that's actually edible? How do you receive criticism? Are there areas in your life that is off limits? And I tell you today, then that place that may be where the enemy is destroying you, In that very place. God does not deliver you from pride. God does not deliver me from pride. God does not deliver us from pride. Pride is something that we have to submit to the Lord. Amen. Character is made. Character is made. When we take on the fruits of the Spirit, when we take on the characters and the attributes of Jesus Christ, we then become like Him. We don't get saved. No more pride. That's not how it works. I still got a lot of pride. Y'all help me out here. The Holy Spirit has given us the power over it. No question about it. Done. But we still have to deal with it. We still actually have to do work. It's not a genie. Holy Spirit's give me the power. Be gone, addiction. Be gone, sneaking in the bathroom, looking at my phone and pornography. Be gone, thinking about this lady over here. Be gone, taking part in this over here, whatever it may be. It's not how it works. We have to work it out still. We have the power to work it out, but we still have to choose to work it out. We have choices to make. We still make choices. The world needed someone stronger than Samson. The world needed somebody uh, stronger than than Gideon. The world needed somebody stronger than Moses. All these people, they came and they did great things in the name of the Lord, and they, they even fell. But we needed somebody more, somebody stronger. And Samson understood this. Samson did understand That no matter where he was at, no matter what mistakes he made, that he could go back to God. He knew that only through God, and we know that only through Jesus, repentance, forgiveness, redemption is possible. And that we will fall without Jesus. All of us. We will fall. There is a weekly, daily, hourly attack on our lives. That if the enemy cannot come and get our soul, that he will go after what? Our testimony. So how do we respond? How do we respond? Don't blow it. You got a chance. Samson knew it, his parents knew it, God knew it, you know it. You know you were called to a holy calling. You know what you were called to do. You know the things that he said to separate yourself from the others. You know what God said? You know the choices that you're making? Don't blow it. How do we not blow it? We have to walk in holiness. And we may not all have the same definition of holiness to you. Holiness may be not having tattoos or or ear piercings or dressing up and getting all dolled up with the girls and going out for a drink and having a good time. To you, that may not be holiness. To you, holiness may be showing up to church on Sunday's finest presenting myself to God as my best me. Holiness is, is it's definitely not hatred It's definitely not racism. If you don't like your neighbor, holiness doesn't have part in your life. Holiness is the representation of Jesus Christ showing through us me walking in love, in hope, me encouraging others, hatred and racism, not spilling from my mouth. You may not know what holiness is or is not to walk in, but holiness is not behavior modification. Holiness is going back to God time after time after time after I fall on my face. Samson, he stepped out of holiness. And he knew just like we all knew what he was called to and what it is that he chose. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose. Oh, here's that word again. Grace. Called us to a holy calling, not because of our works. But because of his own purpose and his grace, which he gave us in Jesus Christ before the ages began, before you, before me, before Samson already had it figured out, already had a plan. Samson's going to fail. Randy, you're going to fail. Got a plan. We have convinced ourselves that it's okay what we're doing. We've convinced ourselves that God, He's he's still using me. He has not removed me yet just because we have not received immediate consequences for our actions. We continue to do the same thing over and over. Church, we must not trample on the grace that redeems us. I find myself doing this time after time in my own life. Here's what we know, church, that yes, we have a promise. Yes, we do. But that if we abuse the grace that has been extended to us, our story just might end in tragedy. The choices are up to us. The information, the truth, it's there. The choices. That was on Samson. It wasn't his parents' fault. It was God's fault. It was Samson's fault. To wake up one day and his presence no longer be felt. that would suck. you supposed to say that at church. Maybe not 1030 service. I don't know. Nine o'clock gets a little wild. Uh, that would suck. I've been there. I've showed up to the pulpit to preach and God's not there. I say, oh God. Please. Church, remember that it's not God who left Samson. He never turned his back. Samson shows other things. God was right there when he called back again. You're Samson. Don't blow it. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for your truth, for your word, for examples of men of God in the faith faith God who you have given your power to, Lord. And God, we've seen you work through humans in a mighty way. We've seen tragedy happen in a mighty way. Lord, where is it? that we will fall in your plan. God, if it was up to you, Lord, it would be victoriously. We have that option, but it's been put in our hands to make decisions, God. And I pray that you equip us with knowledge, that you equip us with wisdom, that you equip us with word, God, so that when these choices come about, that it will not end in tragedy for our life. But though, Lord, we wouldn't be alone. We would have people that hold us accountable. We would have people that speak into our lives. Jesus, thank you. That's in your name we pray. Amen.